The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. Great to have everybody here. As we kind of kick off a week, I know we were supposed to do that last night, but we had a last-minute guest cancellation and uh, Slick couldn't get a replacement, so we went with a classic show. We went with one of the BRR classics, talking about Jack the Ripper. It was actually a really good show. It was actually a terrific show. Um, we have a great show lined up, and it's always excellent when we've got a couple of guests, because we talk, get to talk about a lot of stuff. The common thread in these two topics that we will be exploring is the effect of the pandemic, And in the first part of the show, we're going to talk about the effect of the pandemic on public schools. In the second part of the show, we're going to talk about the effect of the pandemic on the frequency of paranormal experiences. So in the first part, Sandra Lee will be our guest. Sandra is a teacher, an author, and an actress. She's going to talk about the pros and cons of homeschooling, which a lot of people are being not asked to, but forced to do that at this point but also the advantages of public schools and how they're going to be affected by this uh, pandemic. And then Suzanne Wilson, who is the carefree medium, will be in the second part of the show, and she'll be talking about paranormal experiences. In fact, she's going to talk about the the idea that paranormal uh, phenomena has increased during this pandemic. And I have a lot of questions about that. If it has increased, has the activity itself increased? Or the fact that we're paying more attention uh, made it seem like it's increased. Or could it be that with more people home and not going to work and all those things, the, the time they're spent at home uh, allows them to experience this, this uh, phenomena more often? So make sure you uh, share the show with your friends on your social media. Share the YouTube page. Share the Twitch channel. Uh, share uh, share it all. Share specific episodes if you If you know somebody that likes a particular topic and we've covered it, share that episode with them. Again, the YouTube channel is just JV Johnson on YouTube. And also, if you go to Twitch, you can find us there at JV Johnson as well. Now, remember, the Twitch channel will be our exclusive channel for our weekend programming very, very soon. We'll only be doing Friday and Saturday nights on Twitch. YouTube will be Monday through Thursday nights. Remember that so that when we do a Saturday night show coming up and you go to YouTube and can't find it, that's why. All right. Everybody understand now? I don't know. It's a little confusing, but the the, the weekend shows are very much different than our weekday shows. And I'm trying to make sure that they're distinguishable and they're not on the same channel. You know, if if we talk about ghosts and we've got people subscribing to the YouTube channel because they enjoy the ghost conversation and then they tune into a Friday night booze, brews and bros, which is nothing like that. You know that that might confuse people. So anyway, um, let's see. What else? Um, hmm, I think that covers all of it. Again, we have two guests tonight, so we'll just get right to it. Uh, first guest will be Sandra Lee. We'll talk to her about the uh, pros and cons of homeschooling and the advantages and challenges of public schools. And then in, in the second part of our show, Suzanne Wilson, the carefree medium, will be here to talk about the increased activity in the paranormal world. Because of the pandemic. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tonight, as I said, we've got two guests. In the later part of our show, we're going to be talking with Suzanne Wilson. She's the carefree medium. And we're going to be talking about paranormal experiences. And are they increasing as this pandemic wears on? She says yes, Suzanne says yes, and she's going to tell us why. But in the first part of our discussion tonight, we've got author, teacher, and actress Sandra Lee. We're going to be talking about homeschooling and public schools. Things have changed a lot. Just three, maybe four months ago, I I don't think we would be having these conversations the way we are going to have them tonight. But (laughs) things basically changed in the blink of an eye. Sandra, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I spent a good part of my life teaching school. I was a public school teacher, so I have a heart for this topic that you've chosen tonight, and I've given it a lot of thought. This week, my son visited me from New York with his two children, my grandchildren, Lucas, who's 15, and Trey, who just turned 11. And both of them are being homeschooled, partly because they're anti-vaccine, this family, partly because they don't like the liberal agenda in New York schools, and partly because the whole country is shut down in terms of schooling. So children who are generally going to public schools are being homeschooled. And they say that after this pandemic has passed and we all get back to normal, whatever that is, Nothing looks normal lately. Right. That 40% of the families who were going to public schools would be more likely to select homeschooling after this lockdown ends. Well, after a week of watching my son and his wife and me, a very, very accomplished and well-trained school teacher, deal with these two boys, in their homeschooling. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I could handle it. Well, I mean, it is a lot. There's so many things to consider here. Um, but I know that the feeling that you just expressed about the reasons people may want to consider homeschooling are very real indeed. And many people feel them. But the problem in many cases, is that both parents work. If you're lucky to have two parents in a household, both of them work. So who is going to stay home and lose the income to homeschool the children? But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the pre-pandemic world of education and the post-pandemic world of education. Because, you know, I can understand a reaction. We saw governments, local, state, and federal, all react to what they were afraid would be worst-case scenarios with this pandemic. We can debate all day long whether that was appropriate or not, but that's not what we're here to do. But education did the same thing. But I don't understand for the life of me why we're looking into September, and many schools are saying either they're not going to reopen or they're only going to open up a, open a couple days a week and you're going to have to homeschool the other days of the week. What's happening here, Sandra? Can American parents handle that responsibility, even if they want to? No. That's my opinion, no. There are some people, I spoke to a man in Canada, I had an interview on his radio 
program a few weeks ago. And they're avid homeschoolers, he and his wife. His wife is very good at it. But you know what? Many, many parents are not. I watched my daughter-in-law. God help us. God help us. I mean, it was chaos. It was chaos. And the little one was distraught and beside himself, and the big one is underachieving and sleeping until noon. The father, my my brilliant son, who's very successful, is trying to teach his son and run his business at the same time. I mean, they don't know what to do. There are all kinds of co-ops and organizations and places that they're looking into. It's a full-time job yeah. to educate a child. It's a full-time job. I have, Even if you're brilliant at it, it's a full-time I job. I have a lot of criticisms of the public education system, but I will tell you this. It takes a special person to be a teacher and to be able to have the patience and the and the uh, love uh, for your students to be able to do what teachers do. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that because I know, personally, I could never teach my children anything i mean you know something as simple as learning how to play guitar a lot of work and i you know i taught for 33 years and i've done so many other things i've had a lot of careers i'm a real worker bee my dad was a worker bee so i kind of got that from him but one of the things i always said about teachers whether they were liberal or democratic or or republican or christian or jewish or a, I don't know, whatever they were, whatever they were, I could say unconditionally, 99% of the teachers I met and worked with were the most wonderful people you could ever imagine. You can't work with children all day long and not have your heart changed. Especially when they're not your children. I mean, it's, I mean yeah. you know, you know you've got to have a special kind of love and, for and, that. And you have to have a love for them. You develop a love for them. And, and the shutdown of these schools has really been heartbreaking for children. You know, they, have, they meet their friends there. That's right. They love their teachers. They have fun. They have physical activity. They have structure. They're bored to death at home. All they do all day long is work on their little devices. That's right. Their little devices in their hands. And the parents have given up. They've given up. They can't control it anymore. So what what happens when we get to the fall here? What do you think? Do you think our schools are going to reopen, or is it going to be some reopen, some don't, and depends on where you live? I think it depends on where you live, but I'll tell you something. I don't believe that 40% of the families are going to make it schooling their children. I don't I think, think they can. they're going to see them cave. They're going yeah. to go, listen. The public schools may not be doing a perfect job, but they're doing a job that I am not qualified to do, don't have the energy to do. They're going to they're gonna cave. It's really exhausting yeah. to teach all these different courses to these children and to manage all these devices. You know, they're on the screens, uh, trays in the, in the library, doing math on the computer, and Lucas is in the kitchen doing social studies on the computer. And they're, they're going nuts, the parents trying to keep up with all this stuff. And these are bright parents. These are smart people. I don't ever remember being in school and thinking, wow, I have a bad teacher. Or, and I certainly don't ever remember my parents telling me I had a bad teacher and blaming a teacher for what my problems were, ever. Not yeah, one, not they one, always encouraged me to behave. Yeah, not to one single time. However, that seems... That seems to and be. Sometimes uh, I was bored. I'm not going to tell you 
there weren't moments when I was bored or maybe there was time wasted. But you have to take the thing, the whole thing, and and look at the pros and the cons. And I'm telling you, these homeschool children, some of them do very well with it. Yeah. There is a small percent, percentage of children whose families are ripe for that. But not many can handle it. They really can't, and I can guarantee you that 40% of them can't handle it. So we need to keep, it's like the police. Yeah, I know, it's craziness. We need um, to improve the system, of course, always yeah. well, for improvement. But you can't eradicate. It's not nearly as bad as it's being pretended to be, but uh, that's a different conversation for a different night for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a whole other show. Well, I'll talk to you about that another time. So but I need, you know, I need you to... the parallel? What's like we, we want to completely villainize these systems instead of improve the systems. Yeah. You can't eradicate schools. You can't eradicate the police and the public school system is a magnificent organization. There's always room for improvement. I'd like to see. So um, I need I need more conservative. Yeah, well, that I think that's a very important point. Um, a more balanced. So, certainly, the other voices. It's certainly uh, there. there's certainly uh, a lot of bias, but I need you to offer some advice to parents who are looking at. First of all, they're still their kids are still home for this school year. They would be. Most of them would still be in school for a few more weeks, but they're home. They've been home since March, um, and they're hearing rumors that the school might not open in September. What's your advice to parents who are struggling with that concept right now? What should they be doing to either prepare to not have a school open or to help try to influence the school opening? I would, if, if I'm going to give you my honest advice, I would suggest that they do everything they can to influence the school's opening. Then do everything they can to improve the things in the school that bother them. There are, there's always room for improvement. In any business, in any institution, in a church, in a school, in a government, in a police department, in a fire department, in a marriage, there's always room for improvement. So, yes, of course, focus on the improvement. Get involved. Get involved in the PTA. Do whatever you need to do, but by all means, lean on your school, your school district, and everyone who has the power to open it up. Well, I also think open it up. I also think it's important to recognize. I know that uh, you know there are a lot of even presidential elections. There are a lot of people that don't vote, but when it comes to school board elections, not only do they not have a lot of people that actually show up to vote during those elections, but they tend to have a difficulty even getting candidates for that. It's a thankless job. It's a very, very difficult and thankless job, so I understand why. However, that's a really important place to start, wouldn't you say? I would say so. I would say so. And and a little more optimism. I don't know what's going on in this country. All of a sudden, everybody is so negative. You know, you're negating all the progress we've made. Look at the progress we've made in racial disparity. Tremendous progress. Yeah, for and sure. then you take a hundred steps forward and then you self-destruct. Oh my God in heaven. Before it's we let to be all right. Before that's encouraging, but before we let you go, your book that's that's out now, Dear Donald, Letters from a Depl- loving, loving deplorable. deplorable. Tell that's me, I'm loving and I'm a deplorable. Tell me what it tell me what it's about quickly in about in about ninety seconds. You know, in about ninety seconds it was just my letters to Donald Trump about my life 
and about the way I feel toward him. And it spilled out of me. I think this book wrote itself. It tends to be spiritual, which was not my intention. I don't even know how that happened. It was almost like the book wrote itself, and I just accompanied it and organized it. I had such a heart for the work that he was doing and the mission that he was on. And I take everything that happens in the daily incidents with the president and the public and the government and so on and so forth. I talk about that, and I talk about my life. So it's very, very personal, and it's also um, very pro-Donald Trump. And where can people find your book? Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, anywhere where books are sold. And it's lots of uh, pleasant, positive reading. It's uplifting. There isn't anything in it that's negative or nasty or anti-anybody or anything. It's hopeful. And I hope it'll be a blessing to everyone who reads it. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the program. I uh, I really do appreciate your insight, Sandra. And you have a follow-up book to this one coming out. Is it going to be out before the election? Yes, absolutely. It should be out in about six weeks. Dear wow. Donald, four more years. I am very, <laughs> very positive that we're going to have at least four more years of Donald Trump. He may reinvent the whole system and give us eight. Who knows? But I'll take four. <laughs> I- I think a lot of people would have a little difficulty with that, given the constitutionality of it. Anyway, Sandra, thank you so much for being here um, and offering some insight into the public education system. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hope to do it again with you. All right. Terrific. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll bring Suzanne Wilson in. Suzanne is the carefree medium. We're going to be talking about paranormal experiences. Have they increased during the pandemic? And if so, why? She'll tell us. It's Beyond Reality, and we'll be right back. Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJTaps. As I said, the second part of our program is going to be dedicated to paranormal phenomenon. In fact, have we seen an increase in this phenomenon during the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic? Our guest, Suzanne Wilson, says yes. Suzanne is known as the Carefree Medium. In fact, her website is carefreemedium.com. You can get more information about all of her work, and we'll talk about that work with Suzanne tonight. Welcome to the program, Suzanne. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be back with you. It is really great to have you back. Um, for those of our audience that are new, haven't, haven't heard of you or about you, tell us a little bit about your work. When did you first recognize that you had sensitivities that maybe not everybody recognizes within themselves? Well, as a child, I was one of those ones that was always bringing home some kind of uh, note from the school principal about how strange I was, how I wasn't (laughs) fitting in. Yeah, that sort of thing. I was seeing auras and lights around people from a very, very young age, and I got bullied a lot in school, and I would fake sick to get out of school. So my mom knew something was wrong, and she had her dad, a Presbyterian preacher, talk to me because she thought, well, he'll get the truth out of her, right? And so he said, why don't you want to go to school? And I told him the things that I saw and that the kids would, um, you know, beat me up or knock me down when I, I saw those things, and I thought I was going to get in trouble and get punished. And to my extreme relief, my granddad was quiet for a minute and said, I see them too. And so that began a a different kind of childhood, a childhood where I I knew that 
everybody had some kind of abilities. Mine were a little different in this one area. But then I spent most of my adult life, JV, just trying to fit in, getting educated, um, acquiring stuff. You know, I got my bachelor's in management, my master's in public affairs policy and public administration. I worked as a university administrator, um, a human resources director for a large company, and I, I was never really happy. And then it wasn't until 2007 where I had a near-death experience that I realized this is what I want to do. I just I want to work with the abilities. I want to empower other people to know their abilities and use them. And so you could say I'm a late bloomer, but I've had the gift my whole life. Did the near-death experience heighten any of those sensitivities or just make you appreciate them more and recognize that you really wanted to use them for the good of other people? Well, I realized I was a pretty rotten person mm-hmm. after almost passing away. I had anaphylaxis. And in just being, you know, before I got injections, just those few seconds of stopping breathing and, and getting out of my body, it's in some way it reconnected me to what matters most in life and after life or life in between lives, however you want to say it. And I realized at that time I had left academe, which is it's a, it's a kindler, gentler thing. I was an administrative director for a Center for Leadership and Innovation at a major university, and um, I decided I had, before the near-death experience, I was like, I want money, 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 money. <laughs> Sound familiar? Yeah. I know I can't sing. I can't carry a tune, but I was very much about what can I get out of life and um, the cars and the house and the boats and all this stuff, and... When I was in this corporate gig, it was sort of ruthless. And I, after a near-death experience, I just wanted to love. I just wanted to help people. I just wanted us to all understand that we're all connected. And I knew I was going to get my ass fired at work. I just knew it. You know, I'm not being that person they need me to be, so I made plans to leave. I would suspect that there are a lot of people that may be experiencing these same struggles, what you just outlined. They don't like the rat race, for lack of a better way to define it, um, yet they feel obligated to be part of it, and they certainly need to make an income. They need to provide for their families. Uh, What kind of advice do you have for those folks? And it always comes up. Somebody, I'm so thank you so much for asking that question. And I know it's not scripted. None of this is really scripted. But thank you for asking that because I usually get about 20 emails after a radio show saying, I feel the same way, but I'm stuck. You got out. How do I get out? Right. My answer to that is, right, it, you don't have to get out. You need to look for ways to serve right in place where you are now. And when I say serve, I don't mean be subservient. I mean serve the souls around you. I I firmly believe that we're all connected in a way that is inescapable and that we don't need a tragedy like a COVID-19 to remind us of that. But sometimes we need a little wake-up call in our own personal life to remind us of that. For me, that wake-up call told me there was some other work I'm, I'm meant to be doing. For people listening saying, well, I don't want to be this corporate gig. I don't want to be this stuff shirt anymore either. Look at what what do you really enjoy? 
out of, out of what you're doing? Is it a certain kind of activity? Is it you don't you're not satisfied unless you feel like you're helping others? Find ways to help someone else, and you will feel better about yourself and your own world. And remember what John Lennon said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. I love Make it that. happen now. Yeah, I love that quote. I used it last week, and I can't remember why, but um, mm. I, I think that's one of the most insightful. And John Lennon had such a way of putting things into a vernacular that everybody could get the point. You know, they, it's so powerful. Um, you obviously made some choices, and, and you decided to to take advantage of the gifts that you've experienced all your life and use them for the benefit of others. Do you find that making the connection to the paranormal side, the, 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 the side, other side of the veil um, has made you appreciate life more? Absolutely. I do connect with those who are, are no longer in bodies. And I will say that I, I have been tested in double blind, triple blind studies by university scientists who just want to further the work and understand um, PSI and um, all of these gifts. So, uh, you know, I volunteer and I put, you know, it's like you put your money where your mouth is. You, 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 you help the scientists and you do the volunteer work and I want to further it. But that's because I have an understanding that we need empirical data to support that this is real. And so, as I look at those studies and I look at the impact that it makes on people when they realize that their loved ones are not gone forever, we're the ones who are sort of away at school, if you will, it makes you want to be a better person for them, for yourself, and, and JV, just for the fact that there's no getting away from yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be here forever, just not necessarily here forever. So as you, uh, you've been doing this for a while, and all of a sudden we get hit with, uh, almost out of the blue, um, with this pandemic that no one really knew how to handle. Right. Um, that creates a lot of angst. Tell me what you think is happening to the paranormal community, uh, not the community, to, to paranormal activity Um during this pandemic, and then we'll talk about the reasons why you think that. Well, all of the data that I've been collecting, and I'm, I guess maybe I'm a little OCD on that, but remember, I'm coming from the university background. I worked on a doctorate for a while, till the near-death experience, and I'll let that go, but I've been collecting data. It's all anecdotal, meaning it's all stories, and at first I thought, you know, I kind of think people are just now noticing normal house settling sounds, um, the issues with the plumbing. Um, for our, our own house here in Carefree, Arizona, which is just north of Phoenix and Scottsdale, we have more animals nesting around places around our home that they didn't use to because there would be too much traffic coming in. You know, we have, we have an owl family right on top of our roof now. We've never had that before in, in 10 years. So could it be the animals? So my first thought was, Okay, they're just home and they're noticing normal house things. Makes sense, right? Sure. Well, I started doing Internet searches because I was getting calls and emails, and mostly from friends and colleagues, not even students in my intuition development classes, but colleagues who do what I do or do something related like that. And 
so I started doing some internet searches from mid-April to the end of May. There are anecdotal stories in the New York Times, the Daily Mail, uh, CBS Los Angeles, online news magazines I found in Australia, New Zealand, around the world about an increase in paranormal activity. Headlines like, you'll love this, locked down with a ghost. Ooh, (laughs) scary, right? So I'm still thinking, okay, maybe it's not just a house settling sounds, but maybe it's just residual energy. You know, those residual haunts where memory is just, you know this well, where memory is just replaying. And people weren't typically home during the day, and now they're seeing it. What finally caught my attention was I was doing a session, and I don't do lots. I'm not offering lots and lots of readings anymore. I'm trying to teach people how to do that for themselves and empower them so they don't have to go and get readings. So I do more teaching. But I was doing a session for a friend of a friend the other day who thought, you know, my house is haunted or whatever. And I'm getting ready in my mind, and I I hate when I do this, but, you know, sometimes you prejudge some things, right? Yeah, can't help it sometimes. Uh, You can't help it because I'm I'm in my head about this. It's not really increased. It's not really. In this session, I'll be darned if a couple from Spirit came through. And at first the client can't place them, but as I'm giving her more details, she says, oh, these are the people that owned, the, that owned this house before we bought it. They passed. Their kids came in, you know, to split up everything and put the house in the market, blah, 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 blah. And so there was some pretty good evidence. We knew who we were talking to. The man in that couple, the spirit man, said, we are sick of you people. You were here all the time because we were on lockdown. <laughs> and so that... It sounds crazy, but it really got my attention. And so I'm, I'm now, even though I, we can't really go out and, and investigate right now, uh, I'm of the opinion, I'm about 90% sure that the increase is real because we're around more. And if they're, and I don't, I don't mean like somebody's stuck in between worlds, like anybody's stuck here, but there are people on the other side of life, who love the home that they built or love the family history or they raised their kids there, they do come back and visit. They do want to see what's going on, and we can get in their way. How do you like that? I think that's really an interesting perspective because I don't think many of us give that much consideration that, you know, the other side is going about, to to use a word, it's business, and... And uh, we don't often think about how we may interfere with what they're trying to do. Um, so, yeah, I think th- I think that's a real, uh, very real and also a very interesting perspective. Well, and also when you think about it, their, their, their time doesn't have the, the limitations we, that our time has. So if you have, for lack of a better term, unlimited time, unlimited space time, or no space time, you can go back and visit the places you like. Uh, I also read that, uh, you know, Jason Haas, uh, TAPS, has had an increase. The Atlantic Paranormal Society has had an increase in reports. And, and it, I think Jason was thinking, too, that 
uh, that it might be, you know, just because people are home more, they're hearing stuff more, but they haven't been able to investigate anything because of lockdown, I would think. Do you know anything about that? No, that's absolutely true. Uh, It's a bit of a frustrating um, circumstance because while the reports are more numerous, the ability to do anything about them is basically nil. They're, They're handcuffed. Right. So you have a follow-up show right there when you, you, know, you have these different societies weighing in. I called a friend of mine who uh, investigates with groups up around Sedona and Jerome, Arizona, and these are real hot spots. And they're saying some of the hotel owners, you know, the hotels are closed down, that the spirit world is taking over. You know, there you can be walking by on the street and they're hearing doors slamming and opening, you know, inside the hotel from outside on the street. So when they reopen, it's going to be really interesting to see about the experiences of those folks that stay there. Is there any connection between the stress and the angst that we are going through here among the living and maybe our loved ones on the other side recognizing that's the case and trying to reach out more and maybe find a way to help calm and soothe and and share, shoulder some of the burden that we're feeling here? Is that at all possible? It, it, it is, and, and we are finding this quite a bit. We're finding people who before are saying, you know, my it was my partner that's real into the spiritual stuff, not me. And, you know, they're having dream visits all of a sudden from loved ones in spirit that are just, they're just there to smile. They're just there smiling. Like, and it's so real. It's short, sweet. It's to the point. It's like their personality. And they wake up and say, I think I was really with them. And you were really with them. You can tell because it's just like their wonderful personality. It's very reassuring. They're, they're very concerned about what we're going through, but it, it can go the other way, too, where we can collect what I call spiritual dust bunnies. I bet you haven't heard that term before, unless I used it on the show before. <laughs> I, I don't remember it if you did, uh, but I, I like it nonetheless. <laughs> well, spiritual dust bunnies are when angst, anger, fear build up in an energetic sense in a location. And so if you're in um, shelter in place with someone and you're fighting or you're bickering or you're worrying or you've got the news on and every TV and every room in the house and you're keeping all of that energy very agitated, the energy itself can make you believe that you have a haunting. Hmm. Yeah, weird stuff can happen. Weird stuff can happen just from negative energy, just from fear. That doesn't mean that there is an intelligence necessarily behind it. And I think and, that yeah, I think that's part of the. Um, I'm not sure if it's controversy or not, but I think that's part of the debate among paranormal investigators is this whole idea that some of this phenomena can be can be uh, manifested from our own energy. It's not necessarily a spirit or a ghost. It's something coming from within us. I mean, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, and I've never been a big ghost hunter myself. I love watching um, the folks that do this. I'd rather see it from a distance because um, I'm super sensitive. And it's I, I just, you know, it's not my thing. But I will tell you, because I love some people that I've had to help before or have had to refer people to someone who does this, I have had personal experiences of seeing 
PK activity manifested in someone's house that they created themselves. And so I know that it happens. You, 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 you get around for a few years in this line of work, and you learn never to say never because it seems like there's always an exception to a rule. I used to say that um, I didn't really think I was much of an angel person. I was thinking of angels being sort of like airy, fairy, wings, right. sitting around playing harps, right? right. I, was, I, I, would, I would literally say I'm not an angel person until I was space clearing my house one time. I asked for an angel to stand in the center of the room just because I read it in an instruction manual. And lo and behold, there was a nine-foot angel in my room. So I never say never with that. So I, I know about the debate about your client creating their own PK manifestation, their own poltergeist. I know there's a debate, and I just say it's not all one way. Is there a way to tell the difference? If you were to advise somebody who's got some phenomena occurring around them, is there a way that that person can determine whether or not this is self-manufactured phenomena or something else going on? Yeah, you, you treat it like a differential diagnosis, just as a medical doctor would do. You know, when they're trying to find out what's wrong with you, they do tests to rule things out, right? Yep. So if you have been experiencing things like um, sounds, feelings of being watched, um, it, 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 thing, anything short of, I would say, like a, a shadow figure or um, an apparition. And it's interesting now when you watch these shows on television, people will say, full-bodied apparition. Right. So it's like the vernacular is really out there now. So if, if you're getting everything short of apparition, but you're having anxiety type of things or things that could be explained by anxiety, the feeling of being watched can be explained by anxiety, right? Yeah. It, it's, it to me feels, do a gut check. How does this feel with you? But to me, if you're not seeing the actual figures in the house, it seems perfectly safe that you won't take them off if you do a, a space clearing and a cleansing. And then you look at yourself, you know, what am I eating? What am I smoking? What am I drinking? And you have to take care of the physical body because it's when you're doing things to excess and having anxiety that those spiritual dust bunnies can start to create the, all of this havoc in your house. Do a space clearing. Look it up on the Internet. Find a method that resonates with you and use it. And also limit your news diet, how much time you spend being involved in all of the news. Um, try to channel your anger into construction, constructive action. And there's a lot for people to be angry about right now. Now, if you're still having the feelings of being watched, the creepy noises and things like that, then you go up to the next level um, which is assessing what's in your home in some way. Sit in meditation, ask who's here. It could be Aunt Edna, yeah. you know, your great-great-aunt. You, you don't want to be rude to her. You want to recognize them. Um, but I wouldn't start out with a space clearing and all that sort of thing and t unless I was sure that I wasn't going to tick somebody off. Because sometimes, like this couple that came through, the spirit couple and the older man, I don't think he'd have been too happy smelling sage in his house. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, we, we, we know that there are some experiences that are positive 
experiences, however you might want to define a positive experience. We also know that there are some that are negative. They can be scary. They can actually be destructive. Um, they certainly can be intimidating. What's the difference, and how do you, uh, how do you handle each? Is there a different uh, reason that uh, these entities might be doing either a positive or some type of negative interaction with uh, someone in their home? Yeah, you know, it is very much in how you receive it and perceive it. And it can be very startling and very scary if the the loved one you miss who's on the other side of life all of a sudden just appeared before your face and said, hello, mm-hmm. I'm right here. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, you might have a heart attack or something like that. So our loved ones will do reassuring things in mostly in gentle, subtle ways, signs, synchronicities, dream visits, um, I love the synchronicities in the signs, the synchronicities, the freaky deaky things that happen. Like you meet five people or talk to five people in a week that had that obscure name that your uncle had as you were thinking about them, those sorts of things. And I would say the vast majority of spirit interactions are positive, but we can perceive them as scary. I happen to believe that that scary, bad, evil stuff that we hear about and see on television is a tiny little infinitesimal portion of what's really going on out there that once we get over our initial being startled, uh, the other day I had a, a little white feather just drop down. I'm sitting in a chair, and it just dropped down from nowhere in front of me. It's an airport, and it just fell into my lap. That could have been very startling because I'm sitting yeah. there. And it just happened, right? But I'm, I've trained myself now to ask, okay, got it. Who is this from? And immediately a face flashes into my mind. It's my uncle who just passed in December. And then I remember I did ask him for a feather because I journaled it. I can go back and I can look at the date that right. I asked him for a feather. So journaling is really important because it lets you see patterns and trends in how the communication is coming but you just ask i can't tell you how many emails my office gets this happened this happened this happened was it a sign from my daughter was it a sign from my husband and i'm like you're the best one qualified to know the answer to that right but the scary stuff uh i think is a lot of it is in our heads and so if somebody's listening to live or to the replay, I'm not telling you it's all in your head. I'm the last person that would tell you that. But I think we're conditioned to be scared. And right now there's a lot to be scared of in the living world. In fact, I often say, even before corona, even before the murder of George Floyd, um, even before all the unrest that we're having right now, which I think is going to lead to a healthy conclusion over time, even before that, I would say, JV, I'm must, much more afraid of the so-called living than I am of the so-called dead. I think that's wise. And I think that's one of the things that we often tell people who are having experiences um, that you probably a lot of good reasons to be more fearful, fearful of the living than the dead. But let's talk about negative things, because we do know there are negative energies. Are those negative energies dangerous? Yes, because of the actions and the reactions that we have, we give away way too much of our power 
And unfortunately, I'm hearing more about the negative experiences right now than I have in the last decade because we are giving away a lot of our power, whether you're alt-left, alt-right, somewhere in between, wherever, I don't care. It's use your own noggin. We need critical thinking and not just believe one source, everything they tell us or, um, you know, fear causes you to not only give away your power, but to give away your critical thinking. And so if there is some spiritual dust bunny energy floating around you, you know, that stagnant energy, or, you know, if somebody's drinking too much, doing drugs, whatever, that those kinds of things leave an opening in the energy around you. Staying up all night um, watching scary um, <laughs> conspiracy theorist things, you know, oh, you know yeah. you've got to sleep, you've got to yeah, rest, right, right? Right. So that, I'm not saying you des- you deserve it if you get it, but you can attract exactly what you don't want by focusing on it. When people talk about um, trying to cleanse their homes of this activity, first of all, what, what should they do, and does it actually work? It's intentional. It's an intention exercise. It works no matter what you use, so long as you are the power. If you realize that you are the power, not that you have the power, but you are the power, it doesn't matter if you have a white candle sage, rose spray, whatever you're using, as long as you like it. it. It is an act of intention. It's an act of saying, I claim this space. But if you do it like, mm, I hope this works. Mm, I don't know. But you're still expecting to be scared. You'll get that end result as well. And that's been my finding. We're talking tonight with the carefree medium, Suzanne Wilson. Um, her website is carefreemedium.com. What can people find if they go to the website, Suzanne? You'll find uh, a lot of videos that you can watch um, for free, a lot of articles. And uh, I have a monthly uh, meeting called the Chat with Spirit Guides, where I do an hour of teaching on a topic and then an hour of life issue readings for folks. We're very focused on education now and empowering people to make their own direct connection with their intuition, with the source, with their beloved people and pets and spirit. And so we're focused on education. When um, you were doing readings and working with people prior to this pandemic, you know, even, even in the days when there was, it just seemed like to be some distant problem in China and no one was paying attention really. Uh, were you getting any messages from the other side that might indicate we had something coming? Yes. Last were, fall. Really? Last fall and about three years ago, even three years ago, and I I told this to a handful of people, uh, some of us were picking up, some of us in my, my, my inner group were picking up that something big, and we thought it was a terrorism event, was going to happen in late 2019, early 2020. And uh, we have all, my, these couple of friends, I don't want to say too much, but we, we have all the survivalist gear, <laughs> and I didn't want anybody to know. I, I'm coming out with this now for the first time. I'm not a survivalist per se, but I have all this stuff because, you know, 
you hear about are what if our electricity is taken sure, out? Sure, I don't think that's anything. That, yeah, I don't think that's anything that's really unusual in today's day and age. I mean, maybe the word it survivalist isn't. gives gives it a weird connotation, but frankly, yeah. having stuff and being prepared in the event of a natural disaster or even a man made disaster is probably very prudent. Well, even my 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 spiritual team, the 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 guide that I'm in touch with every single day, was saying, "Yeah, you should be ready." And we were picking up things like we didn't know if we were right or not, but the couple of people I was talking to, we were picking up. It's like false flag. Would it be something from this country disguised as something else? And I have no idea, really, anything about where coronavirus originated. Um, the spirit world doesn't seem to even be interested in talking about this. But they, there are data showing that they have reached out to people about different things that were coming. And um, some of my friends in uh, Facebook groups that I'm in have talked about when they were sitting in their development circles months before the virus, they were saying, you know, they were getting messages about getting prepared, um, language that seemed kind of vague then. And, you know, you can look back later. And it's almost like Nostradamus where you can, you could make it into anything, but some things seem so crystal clear. But things like um, the world is going to awaken and it's happening soon. Be prepared. It's coming fast. The world as you know it will change. And then just about a week into the lockdown, I think it is. I'm trying to look at my notes here. Um, this is, I will change his name. I'll say Bob. Bob's Development Circle. Um uh, Oh, no, this is late 2019. In Bob's development circle, a channeled message came through saying, be prepared for uh, a dark storm coming. Uh, they drew points of a crown, which corona means crown. Uh, they, were, they were shown a doctor in a mask treating a patient and warned that um, there would be a lot of weather-related disturbances around this time as well. So that's from one of my groups. So wait a minute. Um, so so mm-hmm. when you say they, they were shown, who, how, who was showing them? How were they being shown? Were these coming from de- spirit guides? Good question. Yeah, I should explain. A development circle is where a mediumship group meets at the same time and the same place every week, and they'll do it religiously. They'll plan their vacations around it and everything so that they hold that space so that the spirit world knows exactly where and when they're going to meet, and they let the energy build. And so as you sit in that circle as the medium in development yourself, as one of the circle members, you start to receive messages and someone records them, writes them down or um, records them. So I had asked, but when I was gathering this information about an increase in paranormal activities, I asked in some of my groups and I emailed some of my students. And that was one of the replies that I got back. Yes, I did have an increase. Yes, we did have something interesting. Here's another one. Um, I'll change her name to Cindy. Uh, her husband had his first ever psychic download, and she said this was about. A, this is the one that was just about a week or two into lockdown. Um, I'll explain what psychic download means, but she was looking at him, and she said his energy around him turned golden in color, and some of his body turned purple. Now this is with what we what in in the the scientific studies we call 
uh, objective clairvoyance. There's subjective and objective. Subjective, you ever see something in your mind's eye? Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's subjective clairvoyance. Objective clairvoyance is like you're seeing it like it's in the room with you, like it's real and tangible. She saw his uh, some of his body turn purple, a mist formed around his face, and a voice came through him. Every, and it said, everything we deem as familiar will be rocked by the shifting waves of change. And this is before any of the riots. Wow. Any of that. Mm-hmm. Is there a so, way, if, is there a way if, as people get these messages and these visions and this information, is there a way that they can act on it? I mean, not, not that anybody was going to prevent the coronavirus ooh. from coming here, but is there something that in, maybe in a, in a smaller circumstance that can be done and acted upon? You ask the good questions, don't you? You know, <laughs> there's a sense of responsibility that people get. And I'm not clear, JV. I mean, you tell me what you think, but I'm not clear you're responsible to warn the world. First off, would, would anybody, I know that's not what you're asking, but people will tell me I feel guilty because I knew something was coming, but I couldn't yeah. figure out what it was. My loved one's been sick now, or we're, my, my family split apart because somebody's out of the country and they're stuck there, and I should have figured out what this was. You know, how responsible do you think we are when we get this information? First off, it's so ephemeral. It seems kind of vague. You know, how, how responsible do you think we are? I don't know that there's a real answer to that. I, you know, I know one of the big, biggest examples of all of this is people that have had visions of 9-11 happening. Um, mm. And, you know, in some cases they would, they, they would write it down. In some cases they'd even tell people. But nobody really trusted that the information they were getting um, was completely accurate to begin with. But secondly, they couldn't put a date on it. They couldn't put a time frame on it necessarily. Right. Um, so right. The, even if they had were certain it was 100 you know, percent, what what could they possibly have done is very little. You know, I'm right there with you. And the, the spirit world does tell us in about 20 decades of 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 data that's been collected through um, those deemed to be uh, reliable channels or mediums, they've told us, they've told us that it's we here on earth who, who create these things that happen. And um, the current thinking uh, among many, not everyone, but the current thinking among many is that what, what we in the collective consciousness, you, me, all the people around us on earth that, that we love, what we're creating here happens first in the quantum field or the quantum plane, the the black and the void, and it starts to get constructed there before it gets brought into this world, and it may or may not happen, um, but it starts that there. Well, think about this: spirit people with no space time, and and they can travel in dimensions. They can see in the quantum field, and they can see. Oh boy, here's what's coming next. Yeah. You know, there's going to be that, da, 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 whatever. So they try to reach out and just reassure us they're here with us. We're going to make it. We're going to be okay. Um, but maybe they don't want to interfere because, after all, in, in a way, it's our creation. I often think that. Um... <sighs> 
some, some some things are just destined. I mean, there are things that we can't that we can't necessarily understand. I'm certainly not trying to be religious here, but there's certain we don't have all the answers, and we look at things through a very narrow prism that of our understanding. And there's so much more going yeah. on that it's really impossible for us to know. Um, but I have to think that you know, when when the world is suffering, and the whole world has been suffering from this this pandemic. And right now we we add on that what's going on in the United States and the and the strife and and the um, unrest that we're all experiencing as well. I mean, there has been few times have been few times with the, with the exception of maybe war that uh, you know we've we've experienced this all at the same time, and it's got to have an effect. I would think it does. It's it gets stamped into our psyche. It's 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 part of the. It's part of the collective memory now. It's a history that we're sharing. Think about the greatest generation. Think about those who lived through, right, World War II, Depression, um, unbelievable the things that they went through. I mean, I just sorry to interrupt you, but I have to say something about this because it impresses me every day. I see, you know, I've always been a history buff, and World War II is one of the things I studied a lot of. But I, you know, you see pictures of the faces of... 18 and 19 year old boys in some cases they were younger than that because they lied about their ages in landing craft ready to storm the beaches at normandy when my son complains to me that it's too hot in his room or too cold i'm like you know what what they were doing in 1944 at your age i mean please put things in perspective right right congratulations we're old farts jv (laughs) (laughs) but it's true it is true true you, you, when you think about you know tragedy after tragedy, that that generation they 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 bucked up, and they they went through it. But and they have different values than um, generations to come would have, and we're contrasted with each other. And now our challenge is to come together and put aside differences of of opinion, put aside this need to be right. And instead, build together what is right. We have the opportunity for right action, for correct treatment of people. And I'm I'm not going to say that it's love your neighbor as yourself, because I'd like to substitute a word there. Instead of love, say respect. If you can respect your neighbor as yourself, that is the great challenge before us now, and we can do it. I just have to make another comment about the greatest generation. I think one of the reasons that we can kind of offer this contrast among generations, as you just did, is that that greatest generation, mothers, fathers, you know, sisters, brothers, whatever, they lived through the Depression. They got through it. They fought a world war and won it. And then they came home and just tried to make life good for their families in many cases they didn't they didn't complain they didn't look back at the war they didn't whatever and and we and we in subsequent generations have been standing on their shoulders ever since we've had it really good because of a lot of what they did and they stand with us now if they're still on the earth uh, they're here to say take care of us now right because it's your it's your turn to do the work and protect us because we are at risk. And if they have already made their transition to heavenly home, they're standing with the spiritual hand on our shoulders saying, you can do this. We've been there and worse. And it's a comfort. It's a comfort to know 
that that's that's in our DNA. That's who we are. Boy, I I get I get really um, emotional about this, and I remember my grandfather talking to me about um, you know his time in World War II. In fact, that's where he met my grandmother, and my mother was born in Italy because of that. Um, so uh-huh. I, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for for those men and women that did did that, and I think we often lose sight. And even I mean, and this is not what we're here to talk about, but I see um, Holocaust survivors speaking, yes. and those people are unbelievably able to forgive what what was done to them. And it's unbelievable. I've been thinking about that for for days now. I've been thinking about that. I don't know if it's because this conversation is going to happen, and I was just starting to tune into it energetically, but. You know, what is what is it going to take in this country? What do we have to see for everyone to get on board with let's just let's take good care of each other and yeah. not argue about it anymore? Yeah. And I think of that Holocaust and I think, good Lord, let's pray we don't ever have to go through a, a lesson like that again. It should yeah. only never, ever happen. But the spirit world is reaching out and giving us an opportunity. I don't believe, JV, that God did this to us or for us. We created what we're going through on earth now through action, inaction, thoughts, and words. And the people that are on earth right now, and my spiritual team here will vouch for this, even though they're unseen, you, if you're on earth now, everybody because you're the right person to lead us into the next epic, the epic of brotherly, sisterly, respect, and compassion. And so if we have to have our houses stirred up with a little spiritual activity, please let that be okay and just understand it's part of the change. Because I also think that what's going to happen over the next, I'd say, 20 to 30 years is that there won't be any more ghost hunting. That will have lost its um, cachet because everyone who wants to, who's on Earth in the next 20 or 30 years, will just simply tune in. Like a snap of a fingers, they'll be able to learn how to tune in to spirit guides if they want to. Have we they'll be been, able to tune in to their own loved ones. Have, we, have we been turning it off are we yes. ta- are we taught early on to turn all this off? Therefore, we're just blind to it. Yes, you know, and I think of the people I know that were around for World War II. There was a closeness that they felt to to the spirit world, and whether you call it church, religion, God, whatever. There was a faith, but more than that, there was a trust that that they had that we've lost. And I think our our generation has been lied to so much by media, by those in authority, by those who want us to trust them so they can become more wealthy and uh, we can become more fearful and give them all our power. And, 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 and it's made us quite cynical. Um, and, and the only way to get rid of that cynicism and to stop being afraid of all the spirit activity around us and being afraid of the challenges is to face them head on for what they are um, and know that you're loved and know that you're not, you're never going to escape anything. We never escape anything. We don't escape ourselves. We don't escape our problems because life is forever. So let's do a good job here. 
as we get closer to the spirit world and we start to open up to it and we will, will we get answers? Will we get messages? I mean, every one of us is dealing with a problem or in most cases, many problems. Um, can we get answers from the other side? We get advice. We get support. We get confirmation that they're with us, but they don't tend to want to tell us what to do because frankly, it would just be an opinion. I am of the belief that we're co-creating our future, that things are not all pre-planned. That would negate the need for free will, and it would take all the fun out of living here if you knew exactly, you know, step by step, day by day, what everything was going to be. So to ask a spirit loved one, when is this going to end? When is the virus going to go away? When will we have racial equality? When will our systems um, become racially colorblind? To ask them that, they don't flip and know because it's based on our choices, our free will, our thoughts, words, and actions. However, what we should ask them is, how can I help this situation? And our morning prayer or intention, if you don't like the word prayer, should be, use me as your instrument. I'm honored to be of service. Help me uh, assist the most people I can. And um, know that sitting back and criticizing and bellyaching isn't going to fix anything. That's what the spirit people want to do with us. They want to join forces with us. I know we're talking about the spirit world, um, but have you also noticed anything different about any other paranormal phenomena that might be um, occurring and things like telekinesis or these other connections that we have to, to what would be considered the metaphysical. Have you seen any change there? I've got a couple, I haven't gotten into this yet, but I have a couple email from people who are saying um, that they've had heated debates within their house and differences of political opinions. And they have, um, had some physical activity in the house and they were wondering if it was PK. Did we just, has, Oh, there you are. We lost you for a second. Yeah. there. <laughs> oh, there, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I've had a couple of emails from people noticing what seems like poltergeist activity in their house happening either during or directly after they had an argument over something with the differences of opinions and politics in their house. Hmm. Um, but what I've seen, that's just a couple that I've heard about. But what I have heard a lot, and I almost forgot about this, people are seeing a lot of flashing lights. Uh, those little white lights or black lights or sometimes even blue that you see in your peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing a lot about that from my intuition development students. And I just tell them, well, just ask, um, who is this? And either a loved one's face will come to mind or something like that. I just saw one just now. And I think that's the spirit world pressing close to us, letting us know that they're there and they're supporting us, even though we might be screwing it all up right now. I, I, I think that's comforting, isn't it? It should be, right? It's fabulous. It's fabulous. They're letting us know that they're there. I think it's also going to send a lot of people to their ophthalmologists who are going to try to find out if they have um, some kind of migraine thing going on. And, and go ahead and rule that out, folks. But your spirit people are around you, and they make these little flashing lights because that's how we perceive them. They aren't the little flashing light. 
they they actually on the other side of life we're told that they wear a body and you'll always recognize them and they'll always show you you know them but you can't see that so you get the little flashing light so that has really picked up I have to ask you, and I'm not looking for a reading. I don't, that's not what I mean when I'm asked this question, but I'm just curious as to your thoughts about it. Um, you know, I do this uh, radio show here in this studio five nights a week, sometimes six nights a week. And recently, within the last... Um, you have a ghost? I have somebody that keep, that I that I keep seeing out of the right side of my corner of my eye. Um, and oh. it, it, sometimes it startles me. And I look, and of course, there's I don't see them anymore, but I do see them out of the corner of my eye. Um, I haven't seen this in a, in a couple of weeks, but it was getting rather frequent for a while. Well, it's funny because I thought you were going to tell me that where you're working out of that it's known to be haunted. I thought you were going to tell me that because I've kept picking up on somebody like over your shoulder at, at your microphone. Mm-hmm. And I've watched you on YouTube um, earlier tonight. And so I, I know your setup. It's really cool. It's really neat. But there seems to be a male energy in a blue T-shirt and jeans that I, I just kept picking up. And I thought, I don't think I'm going to say anything. It doesn't seem appropriate. That just keeps coming up to your right-hand side. Do you feel them on your right a lot? It's always on my right. And um, I, in, in what I've seen, I always think it's a man standing there. I mean, I've, it's always been a man. Well, it's funny, too, because I scribble. And I do some automatic writing stuff. I wrote down the name Ted. Really? I didn't even realize I was writing that name down. Yeah. Um, but he's not super talkative, but you do have somebody hanging out. Well, it explains a lot. In fact, I've had people who watch the program comment saying they thought they saw something. And my, my camera will try to focus on something that's not there too often. So, um I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm again. I'm going to take it as comforting because otherwise it'll. Creep, I think you said, and I also wrote on my guide. Just said, yeah, tell him, and he's shaking his head. Yes, this is this is a guide for you. This isn't mm-hmm. a loved one. This isn't a friend you've known. This is not somebody you know in this lifetime, anyway. But this is somebody actually guiding you and taking an interest in your work. Wow. Well, I guess that is comforting then. Um, Suzanne, we're almost out of time here, but um, you offer services for folks, and tell me what people can um, can avail you of and how they could do it. Well, thank you, and I could talk to you for a long time. Uh, it went really fast, but I'm currently in uh, the Life to Afterlife documentary series, which has been a pretty good hit on Amazon, and in fact, the episodes are free right now on Amazon Prime. It's called Life to Afterlife on Amazon, and um, I have the monthly chat with spirit guides um, every single month. We have an hour of teaching. We have an hour of life issue readings. Um, I have classes that are running. They're all online now. You're used to seeing me at international conferences. That's not going to happen for a while, so let's meet online and uh, get together, but it's all about education and empowerment. I don't want to make people dependent on going and getting readings. I know we still need to do that for a while, but the day is coming where you'll be able to do this yourself. And so go to carefreemedium.com and get all the resources. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you back on the show, Suzanne. I love having you here, and I love your perspective on things. And um, just before I let you go, people 
who are struggling, whether it was like our other conversation, dealing with trying to figure out what's going to happen with their kids in the fall in school or their jobs. A lot of people have lost their jobs or might be losing their jobs. Their uncertainty about that or these racial tensions that we're now dealing with. What's the best advice you can give folks dealing with any or all of those stresses? Remember that nothing is permanent, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Nothing is permanent except for your soul and that no one is loved more than you. You are surrounded, guided, and supported by people who love you on the earth, but even more so, you're constantly surrounded by guides, angels, and beloved people and pets who are giving you their love and support and you are not alone in this. We're, we're, we're all in this together, but we're not all in the same boat. Some people have a leaky boat, like they're really going through, you know, this HIT, or other people aren't. But that, too, is not permanent. And know that everything that you're experiencing is, is important to the, to the growth of the soul, and that one day you'll look back and know that we have become the greatest generation Thank you for the inspirational message. Thanks for being here. I look forward to having you back, as always, and I hope you're staying safe amidst all this. You bet. Much love to you and your family, too. Thanks for doing the show. You do an amazing job. You're a wonderful interviewer, and I'd like to see somebody interview you sometime. (laughs) I don't know how interesting that would be, but that might be fun. Um, Again, it's uh, carefreemedium.com. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.